Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright. And I'm Vicar Hill. And today we get to look at the readings for All Saints Day. It is a festival which we celebrate those who have gone before us to glory. If you would like to listen to all the readings for All Saints Day, you can do that by listening to our readings podcast that was produced and dropped previously to this episode. So today, we're going to specifically look at the gospel lesson, St. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. And this is part of the Sermon on the—actually, it's the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, mm-hmm. and it's called the Beatitudes, the Blessings. And we have Jesus—and I love how it begins—seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are. And blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And he blesses everybody. Or actually, he states, You are blessed when you have or when you do. So, Vicar, I, I wrestled with this text. Is Jesus telling us to do something? Is this Jesus being, a, being the new lawgiver, continuing Moses and just coming down from heaven, coming down from on high with more stuff that we have to do. So superseding Moses with now a new law that yes. people have to... Um, that It's been interpreted that way mm-hmm. by many people before. I think even Luther took it that way. Either way, yeah. it's been interpreted that way by many people before. But here we have, uh, I don't see this as a list of things to do, but rather describing a state, a condition that people are in. Uh, and it's interesting because the word blessed here, um, we, we kind of think, and it's even used by uh, the kids nowadays, blessed means you've got all the stuff you want. Ooh, right? okay. Hashtag yeah. blessed. That means like you got all the things you want. But that's not really what's going on here. It's not like this state of eternal bliss and happiness because everything is just the way you want it. There's a little bit more to it, um, especially as we see Jesus kind of unfold all these blessings, all these conditions that people are in. So I, I appreciated that, and especially in the sense that um, – well, first of all, I want to be blessed. I, I want to have all these good things. But we have this really odd statement, and this is just verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And, and so if we're to do your hashtag, because I know you're hip and cool, <laughs> so I'm blessed and I have all the good things because I'm poor in spirit. Mm-hmm. Though. That doesn't mesh, mesh together yeah. because now I'm poor in spirit. That means I'm downtrodden or, or have issues, but now I have all these good things happening. 
How do we deal with that? So there's a lot going on here uh, throughout the whole passage, really. But um, one of the things that I was seeing repeatedly as I was kind of looking at resources for this is uh, verse 3 is kind of the key to reading the rest of these verses. Um, And really consistently what I was seeing was, blessed are the poor in spirit is really describing the condition, the nature of someone, uh, in our case, for all human beings, a sinful, fallen nature, the condition of someone who cannot save themselves. So we have this idea that you're poor in spirit, being that you recognize that alone you cannot save yourself. You can't bring yourself out of this sinful condition. And so you're kind of stuck in this sorry state of existence of not being able to help yourself. Therefore, you need some sort of outside source to come save you. Okay. So if I can't help myself and I'm poor in spirit, why do I get the kingdom of God? We would say uh, because of the one speaking this. Okay. Okay. So we have Jesus here. And it's this idea that since you're poor in spirit, you recognize, we'll just go full Lutheran here, you recognize your sinful condition, you recognize that you're a poor, miserable sinner who cannot save yourself, Mm -hmm. you need another. And it just so happens that we have another who's speaking these words to us. So we have a Savior who is coming and and coming, and we'll see later in Matthew's gospel, coming to, to die and to rise for us. This is where it gets a little tricky because we have this idea that we're being blessed here and now, mm-hmm. but we do not experience the full riches of God's blessings that will only come on the last day when Jesus returns, there's the resurrection of all, and then he restores fully creation. So there's a lot here. So I, I really, really like that. You, you said a lot. And with that, especially with the idea that uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, and when we recognize our poorness, this is the reality of what sin has caused. This is the reality of who we are left alone. And it's actually really hard to recognize this. And when you said, you know, the, the hashtag blessed means that you, you have all these good things happening or you have these good things, it's really hard to look at life and say, I'm not that bad. Mm-hmm. I'm not that poor in spirit. I'm not, you know, things are okay. Mm-hmm. Why do I need this or that? Why do I need the other or another? And this is confession of sins. This is the recognizing our, our weakness and having this to be the first beatitude, the first blessing, really hits home where we are and who we are. We are sinners in need of salvation. We are sinners in need of forgiveness. And with this, even in this f- first verse, even those three, it really sets the stage mm-hmm. in your poorness and your recognizing of your poorness, what is given to you, the riches of heaven. And I, I liked what you, you said, the idea that we're talking about our reality and our situation on this side of heaven, and then we get to look forward to heaven. 
And, and I want to pick on you just a little bit on this. And we we're doing this, I think it was yesterday when we we're working on preparing for the this podcast. What's so great about looking forward to heaven when I'm poor in spirit now? What benefit do I have with all the riches of heaven when I have the trials, the tribulations, the heartaches, the, you know, whatever bad stuff. The persecutions that will come up later in our passage. Yeah. I'm poor in spirit. I am downtrodden because I am truly afflicted with my sin Mm -hmm. and the realization I can't help myself. And even in my belief, help my unbelief. Mm -hmm. What good is it to look forward to heaven? Well, it's this interesting, um, Lutherans, we really like paradoxes. We like... Uh, statements that seem to be in conflict, but we know they're not necessarily in conflict. They're just, there's a little nuance into Mm -hmm. our existence. So what we're describing here is really this idea of the now and the not yet. Yes, and I greatly appreciate you bringing that up. So we live in the, uh, the, the treasure that is Christ right now, Mm -hmm. namely, we have the forgiveness of our sins. We are fully pardoned of our sins. We're righteous before God. But since it's the now, there's still trouble, trials, persecutions, all the things that come with this Mm -hmm. sinful world. Okay, so there's the now side of our paradox, but we also have a not yet. (laughs) And not yet just simply means there's still more to come. And namely, on the not yet side, we have Jesus returning Mm -hmm restoring all things, at which point there will no longer be trials, troubles, persecutions, because he's going to restore all things. So we get to experience the blessings of Christ, the forgiveness of our sins right now, but there's still more to come. Mm -hmm. There's like a next level awesome (laughs) that is life in Jesus upon his return. Okay. I I really like that because... Sometimes it's really hard to bring comfort, and that's actually the next verse, Beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And the whole idea that in the midst of a, a funeral, in the midst of losing someone you love, yes, we we preach boldly and with confidence that person has the resurrection. Now go home and wait for it. <laughs> and... and they almost sound like empty words. Jesus died, so this person will live. Mm-hmm. And then we put that person in the ground mm-hmm. because they're still dead. Well, and the mourning that comes with yeah. the loss of a loved one, um, that really kind of encapsulates that now part. Yes. Because death, bodily death, is the result of sin. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, when we have a funeral service of a Christian, we also have the hope of the resurrection. So it kind of embodies both the now, which comes with, yes, we trust the promises are there. We are Christians now. We believe we are righteous before God because of what Christ has done. But that also comes with the pains, the burdens of this life, in that case, would be death. So we have both going on there. Well, yeah, as Lutherans, we, we need to be comfortable with paradox, and uh, especially within the Lutheran service of um, funerals, we, we do the really goofy thing of joyfully mourning. 
again, two things that shouldn't be put together. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what we do. And I, again, the, the now and not yet. You have the resurrection of eternity, now and not yet. We have that promise and we live in it, but we're not experiencing it yet. And there's this anticipation and there's this uh, wanting and waiting. And this is why we have that blessedness that comes in this text, because waiting's hard. And I think it's even worse in this day and age when I can push a button on my phone and buy anything I want, <laughs> but then I still have to wait for it to get to me, that, that instant gratification. And the great thing about the gospel is even in this waiting, even in this anticipation, we have that promise of something so great. It really is beyond our comprehension. But we also don't say, oh, it's beyond our comprehension. We can't think about it. No, we actually, we get to ponder. We get to wrestle. We get to thank and praise God for these gifts because we have the kingdom of heaven. We have the comfort. Uh, the next beatitude, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. And we have there we have the promise of the new creation. Uh, we see the, the, the true beauty of what we have in creation and know that even creation will be restored and the humbleness of God's creation gifted to us. And I, again, I think it goes right back to what you said earlier, the first beatitude, the poor in spirit. That meekness is the humbleness of receiving mm -hmm. God's creation and God's continued work. And I would say with that, because um, I really like that, it's the, the humility, mm -hmm. the lowliness to understand, again, that you can't save yourself. Right. You, you can't pull yourself out of your sin. There's something else needed. There's someone else needed. And it's that humility to understand that you need someone outside of yourself. Um, and then I love what you said there about tying in the, because you can hear that, shall inherit the earth. And you go, oh, well, the humble will be in charge of everything yeah. one day. Nah, that's not really what's going on here. We're talking about a new heaven and a new earth yeah. that is going to come. So playing into a lot of the same uh, themes that we've been mentioning already. So I, I had another question for you, uh, verses 6, 7, 8, and 9. There seems to be a little bit of a shift in the, the view of the who's being blessed or, or the identity. Blessed are those who are hungry, uh, who hunger and thirst. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. These kind of become actions now more mm -hmm. than poor in spirit, mourning, or meek. How do you take the, the this shift almost? Yeah, it seems like where the first four are kind of an attitude, yeah. um, an acceptance of one's condition. Mm -hmm. Now we're kind of switching to in seven, eight, nine, uh, like you said, an action. Um, and I think what's going on here, and I, again, there's a <laughs> yeah. the beatitudes have a lot of oh yeah ink spilled upon uh, because of them. So there's a lot of research to look at here, but. Um, we kind of have this idea that now that you have the attitude of one who's in need of a savior, you are saved by Christ, that changes you. And if you are changed, now there are things to do. Mm -hmm. uh, you are merciful because you have received mercy. So it's this attitude then spilling over into actions, uh, which is really what the Christian life is all about. If you have faith, that's great. 
but faith without works is dead. Right. Nobody can really know you're a Christian if you don't act like it. So we kind of have, in what I'm seeing here, the spillover into since you have been changed, you've been transformed in Christ, that transforms the way that you live. So one of the things, I, I, it almost kind of became a catchphrase, um, especially in sermons. It became a, a safe word. Um, you get to, as a Christian, you get to love your neighbor. As a Christian, you get to serve your neighbor. As a Christian, you get to sacrifice. And, and that's absolutely true. These, these are the joys of, of the life of the Christian. And the more you think about it, it is the privilege to work and serve and, and so on and so forth. But I, I like what you said, because we recognize who we are in the presence of God. We are in need of salvation, forgiveness, mercy, his gifts. Because we receive this, this changes our identity, mm -hmm. and it changes who we are. I, I remember asking uh, our catechumens, if I tell you that I'm a marathon runner, what does that mean I do? And without skipping a beat, they all said, I run marathons. So if I'm a Christian, that's more than just saying, I go to church. Mm -hmm. I believe in Jesus. There's actions, outward actions that are to be seen. And I like the, the last uh, Beatitudes because it really points out God has been merciful to you. Mm -hmm. How do you treat your neighbor? Well, they will receive mercy through you because you have received mercy. Uh, pure in heart. And I've always struggled with this one. For they shall see God. Because Jesus himself says, all evil thoughts and actions come from man's heart. Mm -hmm. And then blessed are the pure, pure in heart. Who's that, Jesus? Well, I, I put, I, little, I scratched a note down here on that verse that said, uh, I put hearts uncorrupted by idols. Um, Ooh, okay. So I think you could take this as um, pure in uh, you, your worship of mm. God. Um, you're not you're not letting your defiled heart uh, defile your actions by worshiping other gods, fearing, loving, trusting in other things besides yeah. God. Um, because to me, that kind of fits in with the the action part. Mm -hmm. um, you are living your faith out as a Christian, which means you're only worshiping one God. <laughs> right. No, I, I think there's a lot to that. I, I, I'll go a little further back to Ezekiel, and we have God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel, I'll take your heart of stone and mm -hmm. give you a heart of flesh. Mm. And so it's the whole idea that you're made alive in God. But who are you worshiping? Who are you participating? Who's working in and through you? And of course, it's just like what you said. God is at work, God is being worshipped, and that defiled heart has been taken away because it is the heart for Christ, mm -hmm. which means that you now have a heart for your neighbor, and you get to serve, you get to love, because that's what you do. Now, the kicker in all of this is 10 and 11 and 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, when I was giving you a hard time, persecution, that we get to have persecution in all of this. Mm -hmm. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, again, persecution up again, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. 
And then I, I really do think Jesus says the, the worst thing. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. So, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And it's almost this if and if then statement. If you're being persecuted, then everything will be good. Mm-hmm. Vicar, I'm not that persecuted. <laughs> I don't have people seeking my life. Um, I'm sure people speak evil against me, but they're they're pretty good about it because it's always behind my back. Yeah. I, I don't have anybody challenging me for my Christian faith. Right, and that's kind of the world we live in. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say, you know, we don't get made fun of or talked badly behind our backs, like you're saying, but um, there's, at least not to this point, there's not a physical threat against us. You know, we can walk into this church every day of the week and there's no problem with it. There's no issue. Um, so the persecution here might be a little bit, little bit of a disconnect for us sitting here today, um, but we can see that that is truly something that happens around the world, and you never know what the future is going to hold in store for us. But um, so th- there is a bit of a disconnect there because it's it's easy to say, well, people are you know trying to censor us or mm. do this and that. Um, but I show up every day, and I feel pretty comfortable, like you were saying. Yeah. So yeah, w- with that, um, make no bones about it. We're being persecuted. Um, We have Satan and his demons. They're out to get you. They're out to pull you away from what God has blessed you with. And he's going to use your flesh. He's going to use your family. He's going to use your community and this world. Um, We are persecuted. Now, again, I'm not worried about anybody who attends Holy Cross, that their life is threatened because they show up here. But that's not promised. Mm -hmm. And we need to take that serious. And I think um, with this idea of being persecuted, uh, we have to look at why would one be persecuted? And I think that kind of hinges on verse 9 here, blessed are the peacemakers. Mm -hmm. Um, It was interesting, but I saw a note here that uh, the same peace that's mentioned here in the Greek is used in Matthew chapter 10, when they go out and spread the word of peace. Mm. Um, So it's this interesting, well, what what is a peacemaker then? It's one who's sharing the gospel, one who's speaking a word of peace, words about the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. And because that's what you're speaking, that's why you're being persecuted. It's not because, you know, you drive a nice car and so people are jealous. It's persecution for a specific reason, being confessing Christ to those in the world around us. So there's a kind of a connection there that Mm -hmm. we... We shouldn't miss uh, because that's the source of the persecution that Jesus is kind of <laughs> saying that yeah. you can rejoice in. Right. And, and with that, it, it's the whole idea that Jesus himself flat out says, you will suffer for my name's sake. Mm-hmm. Just because we're Christians, just because we have faith and salvation, we're not promised a happy-go-lucky life. We're frankly promised a hard life. And that, that's different for everybody. Um, we're not the Coptic Christians, the Christians in Egypt, where they literally are having their heads chopped off. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have that. Can that happen? Absolutely. Is it in the near future? Probably not. 
But we need to be on guard, and we also need to be bold and know that persecution is always around the corner, one way or another, and we stand all the more firm. And with that, too, the, the verses 11 and 12, it, it kind of appears that these are the actual hearers uh, and receiving these uh, Beatitudes, these blessings, because they understand the hardship of their life because of what they're confessing, because of what they're looking forward to, and because what they're not willing to let go of. Mm. And, and uh, that's hard because, again, as you said, you come to work and you're pretty comfortable. And because our faith is not challenged in any horrific way, I, I liked your statement. There's there's a disconnect between persecution. It's annoying that people make fun of us. It's annoying that you turn the TV on and the Christians are, are the butts of all the jokes. Uh, you know, the Christians are the ones that are out of step of reality or, or whatever. That's annoying. It's frustrating. But that's not causing me to lose faith. Mm. And, and But at the same time, it certainly does wear you down. It certainly, you know, poses the question, am I okay? Am, am I doing the right thing? Because the world has turned against me. And as you're saying that, uh, it kind of reminds me of um, elsewhere in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus makes the statement that he came to not bring peace, but a sword. Yeah. Meaning, speaking the truth of Jesus is not going to be accepted by everyone. It's going to divide people. It's going to divide families even who are not uh, on the same page with who and what Jesus is. Um, so there's there's this expectation that we are against the world, and there's going to be opposition. There's going to be pushback there, and that, that kind of falls right into this persecution that we've been bringing up here. And all the more reason to hear the Sermon on the Mount, especially the Beatitudes, as Jesus gives them to you. Blessed are you because of me. And this is your Thank identity you for listening because to I have brought right you to Sunday. live forever I know that your time is me. valuable. And of Here, all the things that and you now, could have watched or listened not to, yet. you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.